Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer, Tim Hyde, live on National Signing Day, December 20th, 2023. We have a lot to talk about in the world of Notre Dame football, and we're going to be joined shortly uh, by former Fighting Irish captain and linebacker Mike Goolsby, the three amigos all uh, together. Mr. Hyde, how are you doing this evening, my friend? Oh, doing great. I mean, it's National Signing Day. This is an awesome day. Awesome day. I mean, I've been a part of a ton of these many, many players over the years signing. It's a, uh, it's an awesome day. And I know Mike's going to join us here in a little bit. I know he was at a signing day today in uh, his beautiful uh, city there of, of Omaha. And it's, it's cool. It's cool when you see the 17, 18 year old guys who've worked their tails off classroom, test scores, weight room, playing field, all that good stuff to, to sign a scholarship. So there's, there's nothing like going to college for free. And I've, I've sat in many parents' meeting uh, meetings of parents as freshmen and sophomores, and it's like, do this, do that, change this position, do this, and you're going to college for free. And I've seen it a bunch. So it's an awesome day. Looking forward to talking about a really good, solid uh, Notre Dame football class and uh, get into news upon news upon news, right, Mike? Because it doesn't end. Even today was probably the quietest day of t- in the last two weeks. Yeah. Which is- Awesome. So who would have thought signing day is the quietest day we've had? Yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, So folks watching uh, live or back on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up on this video. It was always amazing to me the amount of people who, uh, like Notre Dame fans I'm friends with, will be like, hey, uh, I watch all of your shows, oftentimes not live with you guys. Um, So really appreciative of the folks who catch the replay of the show. And of course, if you're listening via podcast, thank you very much as well. Uh, There's definitely going to be a lot of video elements to today's show, uh, but we are sure that you will still find uh, plenty to enjoy um, from the podcast version of this. Um, so obviously ton of national signing day discussion today. We are going to kind of go through a couple of team items, um, with some coaching staff changes. Um, and I did want to touch on, um, the offensive line for the Sun Bowl since we have a little bit more information on that. And I know Tim line, Tim Hyde is an O-line junkie. Uh, so we're going to dive into some of those items. Uh, but first, Uh, We're going to hear from a sponsor of ours, and that is, of course, Rogue Shop, the husband and wife outfit. If you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, I don't know if you'll be able to get this in time um, for Christmas, but maybe if you do like a New Year's gathering or something with some extended family and uh, you got that one cousin, you you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you can go to Rogue Shop and find something for them. Uh, Mr. Rogan's wife, Shara Craft Cannabis Farmers, who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine 
a true holistic type of small business. They farm and grow everything themselves, do everything by hand. Check them out at rogueshop.com, R-O-G-U-E shop.com. They sell everything from CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps, and more. Uh, so check them out if you have issues sleeping, if you have chronic pain, anxiety, stress issues. Hop on uh, a live chat with the uh, owners, uh, Mr. Rogue and Char, uh, to answer uh, for them to answer any questions that you have. So use the promo code Blue and Gold, all one word, uh, Blue and Gold, no spaces there, um, and you will get ten percent off your order. Um, so please check that out over at RogueShop.com. Really appreciate them for always sponsoring um, these shows. Um, so let's bring in Goolsby. Uh, Mr. Goolsby, how are you doing, my friend? What's up, boys? I'm great. All right. Well, uh, Goolsby, it's good to see you as always. Uh, I guess let's just dive into the first bit of news. Jared Parker uh, leaving his post as Notre Dame's offense coordinator to take the Troy head coaching position. Um, maybe not so much on like his move. That that is what it is, but maybe what it means for Notre Dame's offense moving forward. We'll go to you first, Tim. Yeah, I mean, first off, as soon as I heard the news, you know, I'm, I'm sure every <laughs> Notre Dame fans are rejoicing and stuff like that. You know, when even though the stats are this way and that way towards ranked teams, I'm pretty I'm pretty neutral to that because Notre Dame has struggled against ranked teams in big games for a long time. So. It's nothing we didn't see too much different, I felt, this year, um, you know, was was my first thought. And then secondly, you know, I'm always thinking of Marcus Freeman. He's the head football coach. What does this mean for him and his program? And you know what? I instantly thought of a reboot. It's almost like a reboot for him after two years, you know. He gets, he gets hired. You know, this is always kind of glossed over, but he's not the head football coach without Tommy Reese and Matt Bayless. Those guys stay aboard. You know, you can shake your head, Mike, he's not hired. Unless those guys, it's just you read between the lines. Uh, he got hired. It was kind of, hey, everyone on, you know, stay on board, help this young coach out, roll from there. And now those two guys are gone. So he's obviously, you know, his first, you know, I guess you could say first true OC since last year was a mess of some sort or however it went. He did interview three guys. He could have hired any of those three. Uh, before he went with Parker and went from there. And then obviously the strength coach had just got announced. So I kind of look at it like a little mini reboot after two years for Freeman. It's it's basically his, his program when you really look at it now with everyone on that staff, the strength staff's going to be completely redone when you do a little background on the new strength coach compared to the way Matt Bayless did things. So um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing how it rolls for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, Tim, that reboot is done by now. It's like, I, I don't think there's anything left to change I, other than like the laundry soap they're using. Like maybe are they going to switch out the equipment manager, you know? So, yeah, hopefully we're done with news. It'd be nice to find some consistent stability. The Parker thing is really interesting, fellas, because it's like, Nobody liked Reese either, Tim, right? And you can say what you want about him as a recruiter and a developer, but Tim, you and I both feel pretty strongly that – what do you – Sorry, I'm telling Tim to check his phone. Oh. Um, just, yeah. So 
No, but nobody nobody liked Reese as a play caller. Tim, you and I kind of did. So then you get Parker, who in a lot of ways, statistically, the offense was better, but I think people liked him, fans liked him less than Reese. I talked to a couple people, a couple friends of the program, some of that kind of Patreon stuff, and the word incompetent was thrown around with uh, Parker. And I was like, that's a pretty strong word to use when you, you talk about somebody's ability. So, you know, Parker, I think, was a really solid guy. Um, he was thrust into that role. You know, it's not like he was really raising his hand. He was, Tim, you know this, second or third down the list in terms of choices. He's kind of thrust into that role. I think he did a serviceable job against poor teams, as you touched on, Tim. And it just really felt like in those big games, there was a pucker factor and just not a lot of confidence in terms of as he's going down his play sheet, what to do. A lot of back and forth with coaching coaching staff on the headset. So hopefully the next guy you bring in, um, I'd like to see a little bit more of that gray hair factor that you have in an Al Golden. I'd love to see that reflected on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, real quick on the on the you know the the Parker thing. Yeah, I mean you could yeah he kind of got thrown in and things of that nature, but you know people were were going crazy all year long when it comes to oh we're not doing this against ranked teams and it's like man I mean there's some days at work where I'm working the study hall with kids so I could get on Mr. Google and research and there's not a hell of a lot of OCs in the last 20 years that have been outside of Charlie Weiss have been racking up. 30 plus points in uh, ranked games. So it's, um, and, th and that's, and that's what was probably so frustrating. And obviously Parker got so much of the brunt of their criticism because they didn't get Andy Ludwig, you know, they interviewed, you know, Lewis, you know, when he was with the head coach and he goes to Colorado, heck now he's a head coach again. So how crazy is that? And then obviously the Colin Klein interviewed on campus and everything. And now he's the OC at A&M. So, Everyone's just losing their mind. Like, what the heck? All these guys are getting good gigs and we still got Parker. So I think a lot of that was he got so much of the, of the blame. And then we obviously always go into Sam Hartman, his factor. I was frustrated because he didn't do so much of the stuff that his he was successful at at Wake. The wide receiver room was just a mess. Why do you know people just always lose uh, track of that? It was a mess. So the whole season was so I, I was talking to Singer last week was just like, blah. I mean, seriously, it was just a frustrating nine and three. It's a good football team. I thought Notre Dame was a solid, solid football team this year. It just weren't nothing spectacular. And that showed in the big games outside of SC. Unless either of you feel very strongly about wanting to talk about, you know, the potential who they go for or what you want that to see. Um, I want to move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I'll just bounce real quick off Goolsby. I would love – I mean, yeah. I mean, if Marcus Freeman can get – obviously, the, the big name out there is Denbrock, who's been around the block, you know, 106 times. If they could get him, because that's Al Golden on, on offense and you got Al Golden on defense. You got two of the Greybeards, basically, guys that have been in a ton of, ton of wars on the college football, uh, you know, coaching circles. And you got two guys that could – basically head coaches of their own court. You know, you know, you got two old coordinators that have been around and have done it multiple times. So that would be awesome if they could get Denbrock who hasn't signed his contract. I know it's been out reported. He hasn't signed it. If they could steal him away from Brian Kelly, which by the way, Brian Kelly fires him. So why the hell does he want to stay with Brian Kelly? He fired him 
after the, you know, uh, back when he was at Notre Dame before he went to Cincinnati. But how about that? Just, just real quick, if he could get Denbrock, who is the OC for Fickle, Freeman's the DC for Fickle, it's literally the Cincinnati Bearcats outside of what, one position? Because Chad Bowden was what worked in the recruiting offices as well at Cincinnati, right, Mike? For Freeman, I believe. So you got all these Bearcat dudes coming into South Bend. So I find that fascinating if they could uh, pull this Denbrock steal away is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And we've talked about this for years. You know, you brought Freeman in for the charisma and the ability to recruit and to be the face of the program. So, yeah, if he can slough it off isn't the right phrase, but if he can slough off the operations to two – established experienced guys and he can just kind of continue to not be a hype man tim but you know continue to work on notre dame's brand and the relevance and the recruiting i mean i i don't see that being a bad thing and then he could continue to just glean some things and football wisdom from those older guys as, as time passes yeah denbrock would bring some of that gray hair factor goolsby i love that term we've been using for a little while he's 59 mm -hmm. years old and one other thing that I want to touch on here before we talk about uh, Lauren Landau. And then of course we need to get into signing day stuff soon is um, Notre Dame has a tight ends coach and offensive coordinator opening here, and they need one person for that. So someone like Denbrock, if it is him, I have a personally hard time seeing that happening. We'll see. Um, he's definitely a name that the uh, Mark Stream and company are looking at. He's, I mean, he's even been a tight ends coach at Notre Dame. So that could work, but also Gino Gadouli, before he came to Notre Dame, was the tight ends coach at Wisconsin, I think, for a month. But, like, would he be okay with moving to tight ends if Notre Dame brought in a traditional offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for that one role? So just something to kind of um, think I think be aware of. To move on, I was there when Den Brock was his, at his first go-around at Notre Dame. So he's like a – Tim, he's just like a rock-solid dude. You know, type oh, of I, guy you can, you know, yeah, crush six years old. Yeah, he's a, yeah, I, I'm sorry, Mike. You just saying, you know, when you said Roxanne, I got excited because I've met him a handful of times on the recruiting mm -hmm. on the recruiting trail, and just the dude will sit down and talk Notre Dame football with you for an hour. Unbelievable, dude. One of the, I mean, you got him. I mean, there's so many at Notre Dame, as we've said, with Madison and Charlie Strong, but yeah, Mike Denbrock's a straight up and just hang out and chit chat with him. He's a yeah, great dude. yeah, not a lot of ego that accompanies a guy with his resume. Last thought. Boys, I just think about these, the excitement with a CJ Carr, the dynamic playmaking ability that accompanies a Deuce Knight. I want a dedicated quarterbacks coach. So however this thing plays itself out, you know, we don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. You know what I'm saying? So whatever role Gino falls into, I want to make sure that we have a quarterbacks coach. Sure. Uh, Mike, we really wanted to go to you on uh, Lauren Landau um, and, and this hire for, for Notre Dame. Thoughts on this? Um, really, you can go wherever you want with this, Mike. I wrote down five thoughts. Tim, anytime there's a connection on your coaching staff to the NFL, that's a good thing. Okay, so just at face value, that's a good thing. I think that helps in recruiting and I, I wrestle with the new age approach to sports performance training and then the old school kind of prison mentality that I came up with. I mean, my gym, my, my gym in high school didn't even have running water. You know, and I trained with Francis Rudiger, who is Rudy from the Rudy. That's his brother. And we did a lot of powerlifting. The weights were rusty. 
Like that's what I grew up with at Joliet Catholic. So a part of me is always going to want that piece. But I think that new age thing could help with recruiting because kids are different now. I mean, I'm a dinosaur. Um, what is this? What is, I don't have the answer, just a question. Maybe you guys do. What is the tie in to like a new upgraded facility? Moving on. I guess my last thought you as a play, as a football player, you really bond with your strength coach and your strength staff. I mean, you spend the most time with those guys. And the way that this is played out, there's a big enough gap in terms of when Bayless left and when you bring in Coach Landau. So it's not like, I mean, I'm telling you, that bond is real. So like if if Coach Landau was hired two, three weeks later after Bayless had departed, you'd almost feel like you were cheating on Coach Bayless. You know what I mean? So I think there's been enough time to kind of let the dust settle and embrace that. He's an interesting guy. He's an entrepreneur. You know, he's been in and out of football. It's not like he's just was a football player that went into training. Like he's been around, trained multiple sports, different age groups. I love, um, you know, that kind of varied background that he has. The only concern I have, Tim, is he's kind of like a performance coach, like kind of a plyometric guy. And so much of the offseason his training is just freaking pushing weight, dude, moving metal. So it's like, how does he blend in that, that just hardcore strength component with his background and performance? Tim? Yeah, I just wrote down all the little things, which is so much of the things I've thought about. I love the NFL aspect because – Recruits are just going to be like, oh, who's the new strength co? Um, I don't know. This guy's worked with 25, you know, all pros, uh, you know, individually trained all these guys. Um, I mean, his list is like crazy. And it, and what I love is, is people go to him. So he's a known dude. I mean, he's a resource. And uh, I was talking about this on the message boards with the guy when Tommy Moffitt got hired at AM a week ago. Tommy Moffitt's like one of the Mount Rushmore guys when it comes to strength and conditioning. And now you got Landau's one of those guys as well who's been in the industry for 20 years. People know him. I mean, he's trained Olympians, and Olympians want to win. So I find that awesome. The new age, old school, I'm with you, Goolsby. It's like, man, I training to me is let's get on the prowlers and let's drive until you throw up and you can't walk anymore. And that was a lot of Matt Bayless. I mean, those guys would run up the hill that they had down the road, and he'd kill them. So it's four quarters. It's four quarters, four. Tim. You're training for four quarters, right? I mean, exactly. that's Mickey Mariotti, yeah. you know, who's probably going to be on the Mount Rushmore someday. His mindset of the way he trains. I mean, I'm going to destroy your ass and then you figure it out from there. He is very new age, but man, some of that stuff could click in recruiting and whatnot. I, I wrote down the individual. He's going to love the individual. Freeman's a big team guy, obviously, but man, he really, when you really listen to Freeman, he, really focuses on those individuals, those individuals collectively as a team. So I find that interesting. New facility is all about meals, the new cafeteria that, they get, that they're going to build. That's the strength coach, man. I mean, he's all meals, meals, meals when you do some research on him. Um, the bonding part is interesting because perfect what you said, Mike, is as a strength coach, you know, especially me as a high school head football coach, and things of that nature. I mean, I was the strength coach. It's like, boom, it's my team, my program. I'm going to kill you guys. We're going to get ready to play four quarters of football. 
And it's he's been a personal trainer, obviously the NFL and things of that nature. But how is what's it's building the mind? I mean, let's be honest. When you're playing Division One football, it's building the mind to get ready to play. And I go back to the first game two years ago when the guys are pushing the prowlers up the hill and they had CJ uh, uh, Stroud. Stroud's picture. Remember the picture? You saw Foskey. There was a video that went viral. Foskey pushing the prowler sled. And he had Stroud in the, in the offensive line on, on the weights. Uh, uh, pictures of them taped on as he's getting his mind ready. That was a Bayless thing. So um, all those things rolled into one. I'm, I'm excited because it's new. And that's the uh, real last thing is that this is completely out of the box. He didn't he didn't just go to the best strength coach at Clemson or you know Michigan. I, I, I'm sorry, I said Michigan. I'm sorry, but you know what I mean. Uh, out there, a high tech program. He went to a performance guy, someone that's trained high high end athletes, and that's what I find exciting. So that that's the, that'll be the that's the thing. Working with 100 plus kids, that's going to be a challenge for him in terms of programming because he wants to do programming individual. Christian McCaffrey's, you know, we're going to tweak this, right? Everything is like is tailored to these specific athletes who are already at the top of their game. Now, I know he's worked with McCaffrey for years and years and years, but that's the thing is how do you do it in a group setting? That'll be a challenge for him. Not saying he can't do it, but that'll be different for him. And I think what's another like, this is something folks might not know, but you you you're probably gonna see like a Jeremiah Love will end up training with McCaffrey in the off season. Like a lot of that stuff happens, you know. Like my old agent, who's with Athletes First, Brian Murphy, who's a Notre Dame grad. Athletes First is the biggest agency, so like I had that kid go out to Oregon, and they represent Jalen Ramsey. He's playing corner, so I'm like. Link those two up and get it, have them, you know, spend a weekend running around training. And I think that blends into recruiting. And then the only other thing, Tim, as much as you and I love that old school and Mick, Mickey Marotti would call it like, like prison lifting. That's what he would kind of call it. I love it. And everything we did was to, to failure in terms of reps, but at a Notre Dame, and I think that this was a, where Bayless and Freeman clash at a Notre Dame, like you're tired because you are physically going to class. You got a lot more on your plate. So maybe it does make sense, you know, in 2024 to scale it back literally like in terms of the just sheer intensity and get more into the science of it. Like I'm, I'm very much open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Just to bounce off that for a quick second is I'm with you. I, I, it's exciting. I loved your part of McCaffrey because I'm just like screaming recruiting i mean we all want notre dame to win you don't win unless you get dudes and it's like these are my guys that i've worked with i mean who's to say that he doesn't have those guys show up to campus someday because uh, that's what happens right i'm working out you get old guys coming back guys that he's trained with i'm going to be surprised if that happens and guys get excited but that's a great point like jeremiah love all you know young all these great running backs price Boom. Hey, you, you have a question. Here's McCaffrey's cell. Give him a call. It'll happen. And that is exactly, and that is huge, huge in recruiting for Marcus Freeman. And uh, that was the first, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway on this. I think in the landscape is recruiting. His network is is huge. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, Freeman in the, in the strength staff. 
Lloyd Christmas with a comment says, Brady Quinn thinks this guy's all that. Not sure that holds any credence, but interesting. Um, so this is what Brady Quinn had to say about this. Lauren um, is a world-renowned movement and sports performance coach. I can attest from personal experience, there is no one better suited to fulfill the role and help Notre Dame be the preeminent leader in sports performance. Coach Freeman knocked this one out of the park. I do want to know, it's not strength and conditioning coach or coordinator. It is director of football performance. So it does kind of feel like it's going from that old age of you're the strength coach to director of football performance just kind of a a note for mike singer but moving along um i wanted to go quickly to the offensive line uh, to talk about a guy that i know you guys are both very excited about um so with joe alt and blake fisher both not playing in the sun bowl it looks like a battle between tosh baker and emil wagner likely baker at right tackle and then how about left tackle the true frost, Charles Jagasaw, who Goolsby did say back when he was a rec- signed at Notre Dame and back in the spring, whatever it was, Goolsby was like, I, I, he's going to start by the end of the season. And um, technically correct, Mr. Goolsby. Jagasaw, we're looking at a uh, left tackle um, for the for the Sun Bowl. And uh, you would have to like his future to be one of those two tackle spots next season. So uh, just real quick on this, boys, because I want to dive into the 2024 class. Thoughts on Jagasaw um, starting in the Sun Bowl. We'll go to Tim first. Oh, ex- I mean, excited as high hell. I mean, he's he's a stud. He's an athletic freak. He's huge. Uh, just watch his five, six plays at the end of Stanford, and you're like, that's a large human being that can move. His get-off was, I know it's only five or six plays, Stanford and scrub time. But that guy's hyped up. He's energetic. He's excited as high heck. And, man, he got off the ball quick as hell. So if he does that for 60 snaps in the Sun Bowl, yeah, he's he's going to be all right. He's I went and rewatched his high school film again. <laughs> man, he's so damn good. He is so damn good. He's uh, he's going to be fun. So his eyes are going to be trained on him, just watching him probably too much in the game. But – uh. Super, super excited to watch him uh, perform in this game. I think you could do a whole show on this. But, yeah, Tim, he's one of those guys. And I we broke this down on Patreon, John and I, like all the kids. And I've said it. And, Tim, you would understand this. But, like, you can watch – sometimes you can watch a big man get up off the ground and be like, damn, he's athletic. Just watching a guy get off the ground. And Jagasaw is one of those guys. In my mind, I'm happy for Tosh. Tosh – he is, he's another big guy, but I just, I, I, in my mind, I make a, there's connective tissue between Emil Wagner and Jagasaw. I still contend that Jagasaw is probably best suited to play guard. That's just my opinion. And I'm like, if you could have an Emil Wagner, a Tosh Baker, you maybe pluck a Rocco out and then put a, you know, put a, put a Jagasaw in at guard and Jagasaw Emil on the same side. So when I look at this scenario, I'm like, hey, Emil Wagner, you know, you're talking about meals, Tim. Whatever it takes, put on 10 pounds, would you please? It ain't that difficult. I'm going to do it over Christmas break. You know what I'm saying? It ain't that difficult. It's We need 10 pounds, brother. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like if you can get Emil Wagner and Jagasaw, Ashton Craig, Shrouth, you know, and then a Baker on the other side. I mean, that's an incredibly athletic offensive line. And a lot of big dudes. With yeah, with, with Wagner, as I, I mentioned this last week when we were talking, it was um, 
what I mean, people just go re-watch Wagner's senior film. And I mean, as an athlete, as a tall, lean athlete, he is man, he, he's he's one of the best offensive tackles I've ever seen. He's an NFL. He's NFL yeah. He's a freak as an athlete. So uh, I hope he starts at right tackle because you're gonna have I mean you're gonna have two freakish athletes. And I, I really hope it's them. Nothing against Tosh. I I mean, same thing. I'm with you, Goolsby. I'm rooting for him. He's yeah. been around, he has stuck around, he hasn't bailed, he hasn't portaled, he hasn't done any of that, hoping to be one of these tackles because he still has two years of eligibility. He has a COVID plus obviously a redshirt year, so he still has his fifth and sixth year if he wants. So if he's a starter and he balls out, then great. I mean, I hey, I'm all for whoever it is, but athletically, athletes to work around Riley Leonard, Love, Price, Young, and the wide the new wide receiver room. Man, two freakish athletic tackles and Wagner and Jagasaw would be awesome to see in 24. Nevertheless, you, how, however you configure this, and there's like a couple different ways you could configure this, fellas, but like. You could look at it and be like, all five of those guys are going to league. You know, depending on who you plug in where, those guys are on the shelf, which is exciting nonetheless. I mean, this film is not even real. It is like <laughs> you watch it, you rewatch some of this stuff and you, you know, because it's been a year and you just laugh. It's like Derby Lambert. You watch his senior film a year from now and you're just gonna laugh and just be like, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, these he, he is so large and strong. So I'm I'm really excited. I was a little surprised, to be honest with you. Uh, I know he'd been on the scout team, reports of stuff like that on scout team all year. But then there was uh, something that leaked out where it had been, I think, one of the buys where he just started kicking butt and it clicked in. And they're just like, holy moly, this guy's it's starting to hear, uh, starting to sink in. That's the other thing. I mean, he had shoulder surgery, you know, so he didn't even get to wrestle his senior year. So. Took him a while to get that strength and all that stuff back. And now the dude's a five-star athlete, just like Emil Wagner was with on three. Just two five-star tackles. And yeah. good for last thought, Singer. Yeah. Good for Coach Freeman for having the stones to roll out a true freshman. Like, I think you need to acknowledge his ability or willingness to take that, you know, risk, I guess. Um, so good for him. I do love watching this film because I think this was like a one in nine team that Jagasaw played on. Offensive line is one of those rare, especially tackles, one of those rare spots on the field where you can absolutely just dominate your position. Doesn't really matter about people around you. Like some of these plays are tackles for loss on Jagasaw Seniors' film. You just see him, you know, 15 yards down the field pancaking somebody. So, uh, yeah, big fan of Charles Jagasaw and, um, you know, been able to meet him in person and, and get to know him off the field. Like he is a heck of a kid, too. Um, so I think with that, we're going to dive next into finally signing day. We're 30 minutes in. Let's actually talk some signing day, which is just so much news um, and uh, really good stuff. So if you're just joining us, please hit the thumbs up on this video. We've already talked about uh, Jared Parker going to Troy, Lauren Landau, the new strength coach, excuse me, director of football performance, uh, and just talking about Charles Jagasaw on that offensive line for the Sun Bowl. Um, so uh, let's hear now from uh, my perfect franchise. So I do have some questions for you folks. Are you a displaced corporate executive? Are you wanting to put your career in your own hands? Or maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify. Well, if you're saying yes to any of these questions, Andy Ludicky can help you out. 
He's a huge college sports fan uh, and franchise veteran, having owned multiple franchises and businesses. Using Andy's expertise, he's going to help you find your American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. So give Andy a call at 404-973-9901. Put your life and career in your own hands. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. Call Andy, 404-973-9901, myperfectfranchise.net. So we'll go to Ghouls B first. General impressions of this class. We're not going to dive into rankings. Anyone specific? Oh, the hell with rankings. Oh, you know, I got it. So my general thought is there's, and we can get into specifics, but there's like four to eight dudes in this team where I'm almost looking at it like a draft class in the NFL. So you might draft seven guys and I might get two I might get three starters and one pro bowler. Like that's a great draft. Like I feel like we've got like four to six to seven, eight ish pro bowlers. There's some kids that I really like. And then there's some curious kids to me and the Tim, I know I've talked to you about moving to a three, three, five. And I talked about this at length on the Patreon, but some of these athletes that are recruiting on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't necessarily make sense to me unless there's the potential to move to a three, three, five in some form or fashion in the future. Cause like, yeah, you know, I'll stay away from particulars unless you want to go there singer, but it's a great class. I love the two receivers. I love Keedron young. I love Sevillano. I, I like all of the offensive line recruits. Um, so it's, it's a really good class. It's a really good class. And there's some just, legit there's a handful of just studs tim yeah i mean it's a it's a solid it's a solid group when when you look at it but uh i am gonna go to the rankings because i find that fascinating uh i I love looking at the numbers of what it was and before the show i was telling you singer how you know i think they came in today number 11 uh they're, I heard saw they moved up to 10 a couple hours ago, whatever it is. Some schools are losing dudes. Notre Dame lost none. So Notre Dame's, you know, basically what, number 10 or whatever the the latest is. I have no idea if it's even gone up. So, um, but, but, but with that being said, they are the last three classes with Marcus Freeman. I've heard Mike Goolsby talk about this a lot with you on, on Sunday nights, the accumulation of talent, things that is going on. Mark, the last two classes, 22, 23, 24, are literally closer to top fives than they are 15 to 20, if, if that makes any sense. Because Brian Kelly had a lot of 15 to 20 type classes at times. They are literally one player away from three straight years of being in the top five. They, they are. You know, when you look at the numbers, I like to look at the ratings and compare who's there. They are so close to um, breaking into that upper, upper echelon, but they're still solid. Real quick, Mike, uh, uh, Goolsby talked about NFL guys. Well, I like to look at the ratings. Uh, 93. If you have a 93 plus, you're basically a top 100. That's really how the thing breaks down. Miami's who's number five. To give you a quick example, Miami, who's number five. Notre Dame, Miami has seven 93 guys in the 93 ratings. Notre Dame has six. That tells you how close they are. Check this out. Miami has 10. The NFL drafts 260 players. Miami has 10, Notre Dame 9. So there they are, 10 to 5. So look how close they are. 
But check this out. Miami has 10 players ranked 500 or lower. 10. They have three in the thousands. So Notre Dame only has seven. Miami has three linemen ranked in the thousands. So that just, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is Miami's got one guy ranked a pinch higher in a rating system over Notre Dame is what's keeping Notre Dame from 10 to 5. They are that close, and it's really impressive. And I did this on 23, 22 classes. And then the Brian Kelly 17 to 21 were nowhere near moving up in the rating. So kudos to Marcus Freeman, his recruiting class. They are doing a hell of a job. And I think um, I think they need a high five for what they've done the last three years. Yeah. And there's a, there, I, I, it's the way this is, it's broke down to save for the offensive lineman, forget about the offensive lineman. I think both of your running backs, Tim, could play tomorrow. I mean, physically, they could play tomorrow. I think, I think Gilbert and Cam Williams, clearly, we're not afraid to play freshman wide receivers. And these two are better than any of the receivers that we, that we lost in the portal. I still, I'm going to miss Braylon James. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, but so it's like on the offensive side of the ball, your skill positions, running back, wide receiver, I think they can play right away. And then you've got a handful of those guys. I mean, KVA is one of those kids. I think that battle for the Mike linebacker is going to be fascinating. I love that they're starting to work Drake Bowen in at will, which might help open the door for KVA as like an actual Mike. But then, like a, a, a Teddy Rezac, who I'm familiar with, I, I you know trained Teddy, and uh, Kenny Urlacher, Benny Powell. These are guys that are gonna. It'll take time for them to find their role. So the way that the, this defensive talent Tim has kind of been stacked up, it, it works out in terms of like the timeline of it. And then the only other thing about rankings is those three kids in particular. Like Teddy's playing free safety at six. Dude, he's taller than me, and I'm six four. So he's like a 6'4-ish, 6'5 free safety that's clearly going to move closer to the ball as a linebacker. Uh, Benny Powell, you know, he's a, listed as a safety, but he's playing Sam. And then, you know, Kenny Urlacher isn't very comfortable going backwards. So he's like going to be like an overhang type, rover type something. And Tim, he'll, he'll knock your socks off. He will absolutely smoke you. But they're hard to categorize if you're ranking them. Because they they don't necessarily fit a mold of oh he's an outside linebacker he's an inside linebacker so that hurts the overall ranking too but like a kid like Teddy I mean he's a six foot five two hundred ish pounds kid that'll get to two twenty five that runs four 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 five like in a, a beautiful like long athlete can cover ground but it's hard to put him in a box categorically to rank him so that's why I tend to get away from rankings just. And the other thing, it's so funny on your Twitter timeline. Like, I'll watch and I'll, well, who's this four-star player going to, you know, like Miami? And I watch the film, that kid's trash. I just watched some four-star defensive ends going to Miami. I'm like, I don't want that kid. Then he's a four-star. No, I hear you. And that's why I like Notre Dame, you know, some, you know the 500, the guys in the 500s. You look at the guys, Mike had the, the, the pictures up there, but you watch, pal. That dude will fly around and knock the living heck out of you and he's tall as could be Rezac, tall fearless on the football field Hobbs who we haven't even talked about the corner out of Ohio you watch his film unbelievable uh, senior uh, se season after 
out of Moeller High, you know, Catholic powerhouse in Ohio. So they're lower dudes, you know, uh, going right back to the ranking because you're like, well, Rezac's playing this, but he's really that exactly. But they are long, and all those dudes get hit. There's some guys that Notre Dame signed in the past, some low three stars, and you watch him, you're like, yeah, that guy's going to play punt return. You just know it. But with some of these dudes, man, by their junior year when they fill out, you got a bunch of six foot four, 220 pounders running and flying around all over the place. And that's running. pretty exciting. Yeah. Running. That's, yeah, that's so it, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's a good class and it's, it's a fun class. And it's, I noticed too, like I go to like a Sevillano. He might be a little on the short side, Tim. I'll grant you that. But that kid like plays hard. He's he's fun to watch. Got a motor, so it's a it seems like a fun group too. Yeah, might I add on the recruiting ranking side of things in, in terms of the team? So Notre Dame did enter the day number eleven, um, and they finished number nine. Which oh look who moving, they're ahead of. Look at that. Yeah, LSU. Got to go. You got to scroll down a little bit to find Michigan down there at seventeen, boys. Um, but yeah, it's hard to move up when you're not landing any players, which really speaks to you can't understate how important it is to just keep your guys committed. Um, after this show, I'm going to finish writing an article, my 10 thoughts to kind of reflect on signing day. And one of the big thoughts is think back to last year, Peyton Bowen, uh, Jaden Lamar, Devin Moore, all these flipping away from Notre Dame. Um, you know, near National Signing Day, even the year before that, Devin Moore, um, maybe I'm getting my classes mixed up. Yeah, Dev, Devin Moore um, uh, in 2022, CJ Williams, Marion Walker. Um, Notre Dame didn't have any of those. And it's not because other programs weren't trying to flip guys away from Notre Dame. Um, the staff just did a really good job, um, you know, identifying guys that uh, maybe aren't, uh, you know, kind of have those drama filled recruitments. Um, and uh, they they worked really hard. Like I know Ohio State was working to flip Kingston late. Missouri Missouri really wants to build a wall around um, the Show Me State, and they kept uh, the Irish kept uh, Williams locked in. The other thing that I feel really passionate about is looking at these class rankings. So Tim and Goolsby, humor me on this, okay? The 2022 class, Marcus Freeman was on the staff for the entire year as a defensive coordinator. Kelly leaves, no one decommits because of Kelly, right? Freeman slides into the Notre Dame head coach role a few weeks before signing day and signs the number six class in the country. If you guys can bear with me and say, just agree with me, even just for this scenario, that we're going to give Freeman credit for the 2022 class, okay? Number six in the country, according to the on three industry, whatever ranking, okay? Last year, number 10 class in the 2023 cycle. Not too shabby. Back-to-back -to -back top 10 classes. I think Brian Kelly did that once um, in his tenure at Notre Dame. If Notre Dame's current number nine ranking holds, that is back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back top 10 classes, has not been done at Notre Dame since 06 to 08. Think about how long of a period of time it's been since Notre Dame has not signed three straight top 10 classes, and Freeman is going to do it. In his first three classes, that is damn impressive. Like that is shopping down a different aisle or whatever term you want to use. It's a data point. I get it. I'm not saying recruiting rankings is the be all end all, but that's got to be a like a pretty damn good little metric there, Tim. Any thoughts on that? 
Oh, no. I mean, without a doubt. That's why I'm sitting here looking at my notes uh, again. It's going back to my point of, I mean, Notre Dame is literally probably not even one player. It's like if someone was just ranked this or that instead of a 92.5, if he was a 92.7, Notre Dame's in the top five. They are that close, which is crazy with some of these metrics, you know, and that. And I like the industry that uh, on three has because it's just all of them in a big pile and let's go from there. So, but they are close. I'm telling you, the last three classes are night and day different compared to Kelly's 17 to 21. So now it's got to be proven on the football field. Got to get into the playoffs in 2024. Get yourself an OC. Uh, we know, I mean, I mean, what freshmen are going to play when I think eight or nine played this year, 10 played last year. So you know there's going to be six to eight, nine guys in this class that are going to be on that field somewhere. So it's uh, it's exciting getting ready for 2024. Yeah, I don't have have much to add other than that's why Freeman got the job. You know, so it's like the recruiting wins is going to offset the 10 men on the field. The recruiting wins is going to – offset some of the operational stuff he's still learning the operational stuff but he has that recruiting stuff it's just who he is it's his nature so it's like that is a core pillar of what makes freeman a great head coach or gives him the potential to be a great head coach is the work ethic the character the charm all that the transparency and then you know the football stuff's got to catch up all right, boys, I see a quick opening uh, to get an ad read in before we dive into a, a couple of good comments and questions um, from the YouTube chat that I queued up. We are going to hear um, from our next sponsor, and that is, of course, folks, it's Augie's Locker Room, especially if you're local folks in South Bend and you're looking for that last-minute gift idea. Uh, I actually had someone uh, email in and was like, hey, I need a gift idea. Uh, for my spouse, you got anything for me? And I sent them over to Augie's locker room. Um, so if you're local, please head over there. Um, if you need any last minute gift ideas with Christmas coming up. Um, so we do know that you love that Notre Dame memorabilia and one of a kind fighting Irish items. And you can only find it at one place. And it's of course, Augie's locker room, which has moved to a brand new location at 1733 North Ironwood drive in South Bend. It's just right down the street from Notre Dame. Uh, so whenever you're in town, or again, if you're local, Head over to Augie's. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. You can even find exclusive Joe Montana signed items and famous sculptor Jerry McKenna's replicas of the bronze statues uh, around the stadium. And Augie gets stuff in all the time. As Goolsby has told us before, if Augie doesn't have something necessarily, he is the guy. You you call Augie at 574-277-6363, and he's going to go find it for you. Uh, and a snap, just like he found uh, Goolsby's old jersey um, from back in the day. So uh, please visit Augie, new location, 1733 North Ironwood Drive in South Bend, and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. Augie's Locker Room.com. There's more to that story, Mike. More? More. Oh, my God. Please tell me. So I'm the excited. guy that I'm going to get the jersey from, we're going to do a little trade. But, you know, with this... He's got a place off campus, right off campus, 700 feet to be exact. So we're going to do some Patreon meetups. 
and we're going to get to use that guy's man cave slash garage filled with Notre Dame memorabilia. So it's like, it's just, we're winning, you know, it's like got the Jersey back and then you're making some connections. So yeah, man. Love it. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, go, last kind of thing on the recruiting rankings, Tim, I know you're a big fan of the blue chip ratio. Uh, so 2024 Notre Dame class, is not that good, Joey says. Only a 56% blue chip ratio. Notre Dame had a 78% blue chip ratio last year. Do you have any thoughts on this, Tim? Is it a failed metric here? Because it's just one data point. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Freeman had back-to-back classes in the 70s, which had had not been done during this whole blue chip era, so to speak, when the guys are, uh, you know, keeping tabs on this. So he was going for the three-peat, which was awesome. It fell short, and it just goes back to Mike Goolsby's favorite thing about rankings. You know, it's still some guy sitting you know, on a desktop, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to give this guy a 2.2. And- never played football, Tim. They never played football. You just know it. Oh, come on. We have Singer. He's a journalism major, but he did play. He did catch the curl flat. Why am, I getting, why am I getting stray bullets over here? <laughs> I know. I know. Just messing. But still, but still, I mean, a couple guys like Peter Jones was top 100, dropped off face of the earth. Larson, who's a stud at tight end, unbelievable H-back motion guy, amazing hands. I mean, if, if Larson's 6'5", he's a top 50 football player. The dude's a freak on film, yet he drops. So you got a Moore, I think Moore, the Texas guy. I don't know if he ever officially moved up. Unbelievable film. Like I said, Hobbs committed so early, I think the ranking guys forgot about him. That's a legitimate four-star corner out of Cincinnati Moeller. Watch his film, and you're like, that dude could play in the you know in the Big Ten with the powers anywhere, but so it's it, it's a couple. It really is just a couple dudes that are right below that threshold, and that's what so, kills. So Tim, so Tim's calling this an anomaly. So uh, K Max says, uh, "What is a blue chip ratio?" And that's basically the percent of four and five star guys in your class. So Notre Dame has fifty six percent four star, four and five stars in their I class. Have, I, have, I have a couple thoughts. Mm-hmm. Every time I think about rankings, I think about Courtney Watson, Tim who was like a three-star running back and then ended up being a butt-kiss finalist as an inside linebacker on one of the best defenses Notre Dame's ever had, second-round pick. And then you like, and then your brain kind of jumps to like a Joe Walt. You know what I'm saying? It's like another three-star kid. Uh, well, Mike, so- I mean, geez. I mean, me and you have talked about CPA, Carlos Pierre-Antoine, who was everyone's – Everyone's five-star, the greatest linebacker Notre Dame signed since the 70s and played special teams. I mean, that's what you, – you're, you're so right. I mean – No, I mean, yeah, right. I, remember, I remember showing up to, yeah. to, to, to play at Notre Dame football and CPA scared the bejesus out of me. You know, just to look at him, it's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely a five-star, you know. But – so that's that's a, that's a piece to it. Um, it'd be an interesting experience – experiment rather because and this is coming from like a i was like a borderline five star ish when i went through my recruitment and it's just like calling you a five star mike you were a five star if i wanted to get a hundred offers i could have got a hundred offers you know you just keep sending your film out keep playing the game you could have got more and more offers and you could have got been a top 10 player or whatever you could have played the game you know, if these Notre Dame, hypothetically, just so everybody knows, and I'm not trying to blow the lid off of this BS, but if hypothetically, if all of these, how many kids were in the class, guys? 24. 24. Perfect. 
24 K 23, 23, 23. If all 23 of them kids would have just been a silent commit coach Freeman, I swear to God, I'm going to commit to Notre Dame. I'm going to sign with Notre Dame. I just want my recruiting. Like if all 23 of those kids would have just played the game, all of their rankings would be higher. When people commit to schools, people stop reading about them. And that's the when the rankings drop. I mean, there's 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 absolutely politicking or whatever is the word that goes on with these rankings. It is. There is. There's no doubt about it. Well, I mean, let's, I turn, well let's turn the topic to then the opposite side are guys that do rise up. And Mike, if you want to singer, talk about Mr. Young. I mean, he went from low, low to top 100 on some of it's like he's is a freak. So it, yeah. I guess it happens with a few, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Goolsby is kind of highlighting some of the ugly, which Goolsby, I've been in this business for 10 years. I've seen some of that. Um, for but, sure. Uh, yeah. Just my thoughts. But, but yeah, Tim, yeah, if we, again, you watch Bryce Young and you're telling me he's not neck and neck. He's not no, on par no, with Keon Keeley. Get the F out of here. No, I, no, no I hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Bryce Young's a great example because he committed when? In April. And what did he keep doing? Rise, 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 rise. He's a borderline five-star, Mike. He was like a three-star. He, 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 he kept getting better. He kept getting better. Right, but I'm just saying that, like, some – I agree with you that it only helps you if you are more in the headlines because people are just paying attention to you more. I think that's kind of just like a human nature thing, like to your point. Um, but – um, like someone was kind of teasing me on the message board tonight um, about uh, I, I was comparing the on three industry ranking. I'm sure you just love all of these little terms, Mike. The on three industry ranking, the team ranking has Notre Dame at nine. Um, but if you remove the words industry and team from this headline or this URL here, uh, actually, that did not work. OK, I'm sorry. It, it's not working right now. Uh, but Notre Dame, if you just use on threes rankings, it's seven. I don't know why it's not working. They're actually seven, just according to on three. So people are like, oh, Singer's just defending the motherland here. Um, just defending on three. But I mean, and I told the guy on the board, I was like, there's a lot of things that on three does that I'm not over here defending. It's just the rankings I feel strongly about. Because I think that, you know, Charles and Cody uh, at on three, the two main scouting guys do a really good job, even though um, people might not love the CJ Carr ranking. There's a lot of other rankings where Kedron Young kept moving up. Uh, Anthony Knapp, they absolutely love it on three. And others they may not love as much, but I, I just I respect um, you know, the on three rankings guys and and and, and what they do. Because I think they do a I think they do a good and fair job, Mike. But some of those guys, real quick on Goolsby point is with Young is his film. I mean, his film is what brought him up. It's like unfreaking believable. Is he just kept getting better and better? So there are guys out there with what? film. I think you know, just real quick on Bowen last year, he committed. He was he was solid, obviously top fifty ish and whatnot, but he kept playing the game. The Goolsby point, no one was better than Peyton, Peyton Bowen. He kept his name hot, hot, hot. Ends up being number fifteen in the country. So I mean, he had a heck of a freshman year, so it was worthy. But but that's going to Goolsby point, man. You keep your name in that on that Twitter sphere, right? In the social media. It helps. It helps. There's no doubt about it. It's not everything. I I have a couple. It goes back to what I used to talk about with um, the quarterback competition with, you know, transfer quarterbacks is what are the rules? Like what are the, what are the criteria? What are the, how are we assessing who wins a competition? Right. So until there's like a standardized and Mike, you might enlighten me here. 
But okay. until there's like a standardized standardized checklist that they're going down in terms of how they evaluate a, uh, a star ranking, et cetera, I'd, I would like to know because we again like this having done that for that Patreon thing. This is what this is my category of just spitballing. I said dimensions, stuff I take into consideration, dimension slash size, technique, you know, how well they've been taught, burst, which is one thing, fluidity in motion, change of direction, physicality, long speed, the level of competition, and is it transferable to college? That's kind of what I'm thinking about. And it's like, when I start, it's like, would I, if I'm Coach Freeman, would I offer this kid? Mm-hmm. And then off, and then, and then I work off of that. Yeah. But it's I, like, what are the criteria? What are the metrics? I think it's impossible to like have one standard metric across the board. Cause to your kind of example about the Miami kid, you know, you watch his tape and you're like, I don't like that kid. I would not offer him at Notre Dame. Well, Miami might be like, you're crazy. We want him here. So it's, it's just very, very subjective to each their own, man. Jamarcus Russell. What, would you, does that question, what are you basing a ranking off of? It's, 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 it's entirely, I'm saying it, it varies, very much varies across the sites. Different different people doing different rankings. It's very subjective. You know, maybe that's a fun exercise, though, for, for Notre Dame fans, like this guy that said, oh, this wasn't a good class. Okay. But I'm just saying, challenge yourself to watch the film and challenge yourself to look at it from a glass half full. Watch the film. Yeah. And they go and then go watch as we did last year, Mike. I remember texting with you a thousand times when we started watching <laughs> the top couple classes, and we're like, "Whoa, those are some different dudes." There, there's a reason why those are the top three classes. There are some different uh, guys I'm that they're staying away from that, Tim. I'm staying away from that, but yeah, I, I feel you. I'm not watching them this year. All I remember, yeah, I've watched in the past. I'm like, yeah, I need to turn that off. <laughs> All right, we had uh, kind of moving the conversation along. Peter Pye asked, Goolsby, who are you most excited for in this class? Yeah, let's get into this. Can we get into some specifics with the three of us? Let's do it. In no particular order, I love whatever, dude. I like Kedron Young's film more than I like Jadarian Price's film. So if, I, I'm, if I'm talking about sheer talent, I'm putting love number one, and I might put Young second. So I'm putting Young is somebody I'm super excited about. Obviously, KVA, I mean, he's got it all. Uh, he's just such a good football player. I mean, his his feel for the inside linebacker position, Tim, is it's it's a it's a, can you do it any better? I, you know, I, I, can you do it any better? Bryce Young the other night, that's like defensive end porn. I mean, Bryce Young. Blew my mind watching that film. So, and I shame on me, I hadn't seen it. That's a figure of speech singer. I, um, I love Sevillano, a kid that I'm going to follow closely. Just give me that 300 plus pounder, and he's real slippery for being 300 pounds. And then offensive line, Tim, I know you love Lambert, but uh, I like Peter Jones, and I and I really liked uh, Nap. I really like Nap. And obviously the receivers. I mean, Mike and Gilbert reminds me of Justin Blackman, if you can remember him, went to Oklahoma okay. State. Mm-hmm. The way he moves around, and Cam Williams is the closest thing that we've seen to having, like, he's better than Michael Floyd. 
I mean, Michael Floyd was kind of, and I look at biomechanics again. I train kids every weekend. You know, went to three signing days today, kids that went to Division One. And it's like Cam Williams moves better to me than Michael Floyd did. So those are like my top five or six. But those are the kids I'm like, damn, I love those kids. All right, before Tim hops in, I, I just want to pop on um, some film here. Can we do that? Uh, Kingston Juliamuasa. Rivals has him ranked as a five star. On three is the lowest, but they they keep bumping him up, hoping that you know he he gets into the top hundred um, after a strong week at the All American Bowl. Kind of hoping to see that. Um, he's been a riser in, again in the on three rankings. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk about his film. Goolsby, thoughts on this guy, and then we'll uh, we'll Tim, go to Tim. You, you go first. You go first. I'm talking too much. It's your show. No, no, you're no, talking, yeah, talking, yeah, 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 but no, you're the talking, linebacker. He's um. I mean, I've been saying this since he got his offer. If he, you know, I remember the day he got his offer. If he comes to Notre Dame, he's the most, you know, ready to play linebacker since Jalen Smith. I'm saying this for 18 months. He's a freak. He's a stud. You don't start as a freshman at St. John Bosco, play that level of football, and not be a dude. And he's been that way since day one. He is. It's crazy. I mean, there's there's plays in here people will watch, and you'll be like, oh, well, he doesn't do that, doesn't do this, or doesn't blow people up like Dick Buckus or whatever. Everyone he's going against signed today. I mean, let's just get that. Everyone on this film either signed today or signing next year. The level of competition that he plays is Division One football. It is a freak show. It's unbelievable. That's what's just so exciting. His instincts, when you watch him read, I mean, on counters and things of that nature, are unbelievable. And then, you know, as a – as a coach, I'll, I'll fast forward it. You know, oh, he wrong armed on this play. Well, boom, he wrong armed because this guy's keeping outside arm and leg free. He knows the fit. He's perfect here. Everyone's in their gap, which to me, take the, the dude takes coaching. And I just love that term, take coaching, meaning I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to do it. You're going to kick ass as you do it. And that's what I see, Asa. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I can't wait for him to get here. And I, I know I've heard you say it on your Sunday night shows, Mike. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be in the run. Heck, Freeman said it today. He's going to be on the field. So that tells you the expectations that they have for him. Yeah. And just a couple things, Singer, what you want to get into, like linebacker specific. Tim, I love his pat-pat, like the way he reads that play out. He's just so confident. There's no anxiety. Or he just pat-pat, and then he'll slip it. And then to your point, Tim, where he's like, oh, he's not blowing this kid up and driving, you know, uh, knockout killer hits. Yes, the, 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 the level of competition is exceptional. It's the best high school football in the country. But the stuff that he does is realistic in terms of translating to college, where you might see some stud linebacker like a Bodie Calhoun just knock over a, a guard at the second level, just pancake some guard. It's like, that shit isn't realistic. That's going to be a 310-pound kid in college, whereas you see KBA like that reduced technique where he slips a block and then squeezes back. I mean, like I work diligently to try and teach kids that how to how to do that because it's like you, you don't want to take that guy on all the time. If it's a draw, we're going to use two hands. But like there's so many things that he does effortless, effortlessly that translate. And then the other thing – we saw this with Junior Tulialamaka. 
and some of these Polynesian kids, they can put on weight very easily. Like a, a Manti Teo, I saw Manti Teo was on the field for one of his games, and Tim, he is so thickly built. It's just that you know that that DNA they they can put weight on, and like Junior, who we still think could be a good Mike Tim. I know you think that. But he kind of outgrew that position, whereas KVA seems to have a little bit more of a tight waist. And I don't see, when looking at his body type, I don't see him getting himself into a pickle where he gets up to 255 pounds accidentally, if that makes sense, guys. No, I see him, if, if anything, probably thinning out a little bit and just being a, a – Ripped up. Yeah, ripped up, ready to roll guy who weighs 225 to 232-ish in that range and just manning C-gap to C-gap. That's that's what I see with him. I I don't – I yeah, there's no need to move him to Viper, which he does do a ton of in their nickel package. He's the stand-up at edge guy. He does a lot of – I would not be surprised if he is in a dime package or whatnot next year. He His instincts and his drops are – I mean, I hate to use the word. Well, I'm you, you, His drops you can't are do it any better. You, you can't yes, do it any better. He's already playing at that level, getting under guys, rerouting guys, hitting the hips of guys, and going back to my point, there's he's playing all these receivers that are running four or five, and he's getting to the hip of these guys. So he's got amazing instincts. I got a you know one of my long line, long time coaching buddies, coaches linebackers along Beach Poly, the big powerhouse out there in Southern Cal, and. He sees KBA all the time and just says, man, Notre Dame's getting a guy. They're getting a guy, and he's going to play. He's going to play immediately. But And immediately it doesn't mean a starter in game one at A&M. He's going to be on the field, and we're going to see his number in games. Love that. No, he's going to have to He's going to have to pick up the system. You know, Tim, better than anybody how complex Golden System can be. But the variability with a Jack Kaiser, who's the the old sage, right? Just all that wisdom and knowledge that Kaiser can provide. Kaiser can play Mike and Will. And it's like, okay, we're going to kick Kaiser to Mike. We're going to slide Sneed into Will in this particular down and distance or whatever. We're going to slide Kaiser back to Will. And maybe we're going to put Bowen or KBA in at Mike. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch, but he is uh, in terms of just a football player, when you say, oh, he's a great football player, people think he's not a great athlete, right? He's slippery. He has got good long speed, good enough size. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's – you really can't do it much better. Tim says – hold on, hold on. Tim says maybe he doesn't start against A&M. Right? He might, dude. He's really damn good. Notre Dame is very, very excited about him. I'm more of the reporter than – I don't know. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but um, that that huddle tape just started playing in my ears. I was very loud, um, so I had to cut that off. But uh, yeah, so I'm more of the reporter oh, insider true. than film analyst. That's why uh, we uh, have Tim Hyde and Mike Goolsby on the show. So real quick though, but the question was, question was, who are my favorite people that I'm excited about? Singer, singer, you've got an interesting perspective as you talk to these families, etc. Might be a kid. Hey, Tim, if Sing if Singer loves you as a recruiter, might be a kiss of death, you know, in years past. Yeah, that's Joe Walt guy. It sucks for him, huh? <laughs> he said it might be. Tim, who are your top two or three, four? Well, I mean, also just uh, just real quick on, on Kingston is he comes to Notre Dame, 
has some success, I'm telling you, it is massive, massive, because he's a known dude. It's huge out there in SoCal, the Trinity League, all those players. Man, he could be he could be the a, a massive pi- pipeline for Notre Dame out there, and um, that's awesome. I mean, I'm a huge I love I love giant guys. You know, I think big dudes win football games, and that's Gerby Lambert. You know, yeah, not that type of senior, but anyway, um, Gerby Lambert's a monster. He's his film is legit. So when you get Jagasaw, it's funny because you you think Jagasaw a little bit. You like him better than Lambert, which is like, I mean, come on. You know, you like green apple, red apple. They're all apples. But it's um, Lambert's explosive. He gets super, super low in his stance on some of his films. Fascinating. Fascinating. We have oh, my God. Go. Yeah, go. I'm not not going to argue with you. You know, I've heard you uh, mention, like, his, his, his level of competition, it's not Cincinnati Catholic. It's not SoCal Catholic. Things of that nature. But the, the Boston Catholics that he plays, there's a lot of Division One football players that he's going against. Heck, St. John's Prep, their safety last year, played at Georgia this year. So everyone's going up into the Boston leagues, which Notre Dame has done the last couple of years, and starting to get some guys. So um, really like him. I mean, we can sit here and talk about all the high-end guys. I always like trying to find some of those, the lower guys. I, I mentioned his name before, you know, Carson Hobbs. I just, man, I just like his film. I just, I don't know. Is he a corner of safety? I don't know. I just love, he's tall and he's, he he's got to get on the field. The thing that yes. watch, watching, watching Hobbs, yes. it's like, I feel like if he, if you need him to run 4 2 on the field, he's going to run 4 2. Hobbs can he, run, dude. He, man, it's great. You know, going back to the, the rankings, which just drive you nuts, is like, what, what are you missing? He is so damn good. And he plays going back to one of your criteria competition. The Cincinnati Catholic League is not weak links. Those are legitimate dudes that he's going against, and he's out there competing like uh, heck. Um, California guy, the another lower ranked guy, you know, Logan Saldate. Scott, I mean, his senior film is a junior. Like, yeah, he's making good, you know, plays. Not the greatest here in their competition. His senior, you look like a man. So I just loved loved watching his best film. Hands. Best hands yeah. in the class. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable hands, but uh, yeah, Lambert, Asa, love Hobbs, love Saldate. Who else out there? Um, oh, um, really, really like the fact that which I've never really uh, understood this singer. If you could get into this, Logan Thomas, who was really good, Houston, the greater Houston area, awesome high school football, but he goes to the Ohio Catholics and just tore it up this year. So that's a He's skinny. I mean, he looks like he weighs 168 pounds on film. But, my God, he, his burst is nuts. So, you know, I know there was other Vipers and whatnot, and Notre Dame really went after him. I always scratch my head with him, like, yeah, is he physical enough? Is he, is he one of those tweeners? What's he going to be? Senior film, I was like, yeah, he's good. You know, I know he weighs more than 168 pounds, but if if you've seen some of his film on, on line and Twitter and YouTube, I've seen a few of his highlight games. The Duke could fly, man. He is physical as hell. So really, really interested to see how he develops. Is he going to be a 245 pound stand up rush guy like a, or does he grow into a Fosky type guy? He, he I, I really like him. 
Uh, if we, if you guys don't mind, there's one player I do want to talk about specifically who uh, Goolsby talked about was Kedron Young, another personal favorite of, uh, of, of mine in this recruiting class. Um, he had a really good year. Um, and uh, from what I was told by Charles Powered on three, who, I mean, the guy watches so much tape, it's ridiculous. I mean, he was telling me how the offensive line at Lufkin has, uh, it's, it's young and inexperienced. I mean, I don't know how he got that information, but um, yeah, so he's playing against really good competition and not a great offensive line, it seems. Not getting any D1 guys here, um, but the guy, Kedron Young, just put up some crazy numbers as a senior and looks great on film. So you lose Audrick Estime, Mr. Goolsby, uh, and then uh, in comes Kedron Young, one of your favorite guys in the class. Yeah, I Tim, I love a 5'10", 5'11", 215-pound running back. I just love that classic. I heard Dion, Coach, Coach Prime, talking about that. He likes that same build. Um, the burst with this kid, the contact balance. And I like Aeneas Williams, but Kedron Young in particular on these long runs, you know, again, studying kind of biomechanics, I'm no Lauren Landau, but I have an idea what to look for. Like, Kedron Young looks much faster to me, long speed-wise, than Aeneas. Aeneas looks – Aeneas plays heavier to me, even though Kedron is the heavier athlete. But the contact balance, the level of competition, the burst, um, this kid's a stud. Plays without gloves in some games, which I love. He has that thing, Tim, where you saw that, like – Saquon Barkley probably does it the best where they'll get into a cut and they can almost like unlock their hip and to step out of a tackle. Like he's just got some stuff that you can't train. There's a couple plays on his highlight tape where safety comes down with a beeline and he just absorbs that hit, bounces off of it. Between Jeremiah Love and this kid, it's like, what more could you ask for? It's <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing. I mean, you're just watching this film, and it's like, who the hell's tackling this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I'm all about just, just boom, make a move in a phone booth, is the old saying, right? And man, he, yeah, yeah, you're gonna lose your jockstrap, right? And there's another old ghouls be saying back from the Mickey Mariotti days, like, man, he, he's gonna. I mean, you're gonna lose it. He's unbelievable. His cutting ability, like. It, and it's, I tell you that, yeah, it's Tim. Crazy. It's, it's awesome to watch. So everybody says one cut and go, one cut and go. No, it's there's like, no. six right there. There's six cuts in one play. But I'm saying it's one foot on that yeah. cut. He can cut yeah. now, whereas like you saw Tyree for years, the little stutter step to cut. Yeah. And this is a 220 pound back. It's plays with that wide base. He's low to the ground. Uh, and then he's upfield. It's one step in the ground, gone. So. But yeah, like I said, he can sink and then he can kind of like unlock that hip, like right there. They, yeah, that, that, that gives people that dead leg. And I was yeah, like, no, oh, no, go ahead. That's Tim. a great point on the dead leg, man, where you just sit and everyone goes to one side and he boom, you know, bounce back so fast, has the balance. You see him when he that's the other thing. When he cuts, he's he's square, he's not tilting or anything, he's square and moving through holes which goes back to great running backs. My favorite running back of all times, Eric Dickerson. ED, all he ever used to talk about was his eyes, man. His eyes are always moving. And when you watch Young, when you cut like that, like that one play, he cuts six times, six times within five, six yards. That is 100% vision. 
he is looking, looking, looking. His eyes and hips are all moving uh, one in the same, it's, and it's awesome. And it's conditioning too, Tim, to like to be able to make those six cuts in one play and still score. I mean, that's like conditioning. It's funny that that quest that comment said um, Ricky Williams. When we were talking about that on the Patreon, I'm like, yeah, Ricky Williams here because he's kind of like muscle bound. But then I was like, he kind of reminds me of Mark Ingram. And these are just fun comps. Yeah, yeah. He kind of reminds me of a Mark Ingram in terms of like his play style, the velocity at which he plays. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's he should be good. (laughs) And then just imagine how big our – I mean – Running behind a Jagasaw who's six seven three thirty, and then you've got this little five foot ten, two hundred twenty pound bowling ball that's playing low to the ground. I mean, for somebody like me, that's t- I gotta I gotta find I gotta get there and I gotta get down to get him. You know, that's not um, an easy tackle. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Anthony Knapp, and he's what the smallest guy in the class. I mean, you got Lamp <laughs> Peter Jones is massive as could be. You got you know Styles Prescott's tall, Lambert's a, a monster Jagasaw. the class of 2025 as mike knows i think every single guy that they've offered is six seven they're all just yeah, like six nine yeah well the guys like sullivan hampshire's a massive dude i mean yes the guys in that offensive line they're trees <laughs> when, when, I, when i saw guy, baker tim i saw tosh baker at that spring game a couple and at that point tosh was probably the tallest guy in the room but he looked like a power forward you know, in terms of there wasn't a lot of bulk. So hopefully the last couple of years he's added some size. But, yeah, big boys. Senior met him in an airport. I remember Mike. Uh, yeah, I did. Him, and Senior was like, Tim, that's that, that's a big offensive tackle. i never forget the, the way you said it. Like, holy moly, is he a big dude. Yeah, I was like, hey, uh, Tosh, we've never met before. But uh, I used to interview – you were on my podcast a few years ago. That was fun. Um. I- would be remiss if we didn't talk about the five star in the class, Cam Williams. Kind of a, one of those rankings quirks among many is that he's a four star across the board, but because he's in the top 32 of the on three industry ranking, he gets that five star status. We're going to give it to him. He's electric. He's a top 50 player across the board, according to the national rankings. And uh, yeah, he's pr- he's pretty darn good as well. Six, two and a half, 196 pounds. Um, let, let's talk about his film. We'll go to Tim first here. Uh, Cam Williams, I believe he's been on our show twice. Um, so he's got that going for him as well. But uh, yeah, Cam Williams yeah. here. What do we think, boys? No, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Cam's been with us a couple times. Uh, I'm just going to just uh, just cut and paste what Marcus Freeman talked about him today fast. It's like we timed him multiple times you know, on, on visits and he always ran a 4-4. So he's in that you know range and you know, and it's funny. I, I mean, remember, Mike, when we went back right before he started, he was on right before he went to training camp. And he talked about all the, the things that they were going to do with him this year. And you saw it. More jet sweeps. He played defense, wide receiver, some wildcat, uh, did a lot of things this year. So legitimate, legitimate athlete. Um, if he's, man, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge Michael Floyd fan. So if he's a, if he's a pinch next to Michael Floyd, Notre Dame's got a hell of a football player. He's uh Cam Williams also. And by the way, his defensive highlights this year was just swarming to the football. He was awesome good on defense. Safety. Yeah, he's a yes. good safety. Goals. Um Tim, do you have a comp for uh Cam Williams? Like a fun, you know, I I, I use the term fun comp. <laughs> oh man, I 
No, sometimes, I mean, God, I'm horrible at those, trying to figure out who's who, things of that nature. But when you go, you know, body-wise, the way he looks, he looks a little bit like Kevin Austin, I I, I would say. I thought, I thought Kevin Austin was a good-looking dude, especially his last year at Notre Dame in 2021. I think Cam kind of has that same type of a body, you know, when you look at it. So I'm just so my, thinking of someone real quick. Well, like – it's Mike, if you could go all the way back to like the beginning of his his highlight film. Hey, and every time I say biomechanics, you need to drink, okay? I think that's the fifth. This kid's running form is perfect. You know, the way he tucks his heel and like the knee drive and all that. Like he like when he when I'm watching him run like that, it's like a shorter version of a Julio Jones, just in terms of the power and like his running form. So he's like fast, but there's an element of like power to the way that he's built and the way that he kind of plays. And I saw him post for some picture or something. Tim, I think he has negative body fat. I think he's like negative 3% body fat. I mean, there's an ounce of fat on this kid. Um, He's exceptional. And I think he's – and Tim and you and I could go write a small book about this. SEC wide receivers. I don't care if they're 6'3". I don't care if they're 5'10", 5'8". They can just open up and go. Like, they can just open up and run. And Cam Williams gives you that. Like, just open up and just catch it and go. So, he's an, he's an exceptional player. I think he's And I think he's going to bring some leadership. I think offensively, as far as this class... He's way more important than CJ Carr is. Way more important. I would, yeah, man. Yes, I'll say that because I'm a wide receiver. That's all I want to talk about is like get some dudes out there just to go make freaking plays. There you yes. go. Wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers. It's like just I keep going back to the championship games. I want to Arizona or Arizona. Jeez, Louise Tim. Well, they had dudes. They had McMillan from Servite. But I want Washington, Oregon wide receivers. I want those guys who are just going to make plays one-on-one on the perimeter. Okay, hey, you want to play cover two? We're going to run the ball. I got a freakish quarterback. We'll run the ball. You know, oh, you you want to spy on me? I'm going to beat you one-on-one. Notre Dame needs a wide receiver. Just want to scream that could just win one-on-one 25 yards down the field. And Cam Williams, yeah, you don't see an early enrollee, Mike Singer. He's an early guy, right? So, yeah, he's fingers crossed. He, he doesn't turn in, you know, he's not Braylon James. Oh, you know, he can't learn the playbook. It's like, just teach him three freaking no. plays then. Just three plays. Three you plays, just, get him on the damn field and go play. From a from just from an evaluation thing, like you don't see him get into a lot of 50 50 jump ball. Like I might gun to my head, I might, I might throw a jump ball to Micah Gilbert over Cam Williams. Just in terms of a like the the timing, your jump, the body control, and all that stuff. But if you're just looking for a guy, just go go get it, go run underneath it, catch a bubble screen, and go with his kind of power. Um, and and I'm not sleeping on Micah Gilbert at all. He's like an Anquan Bolden, and he's a little bit more thickly built. I don't know what he runs like, but yeah, Cam Williams is just like, hey, go deep. Um. And yeah, he's two hundred pounds. Yeah, he's 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 built to play. Yeah, a freak. Uh, 
I feel like we got to also talk about CJ Carr. He is the quarterback. Um, and uh, one of you guys just brought him up as well. I I think it was Goolsby. So, yeah. I don't have senior film of Carr. I just realized he did not post that on his, his huddle page. It's not really important. So we went to, when I say we blue and gold, went to a couple of his games this year. So I'm going to find and pop that up. But, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, CJ Carr. And uh, you know what we think about him, boys. We'll uh, we'll go to Tim first on that. No, I mean he's. I mean, God, you just start it's going back to stacking talent, um, stacking talent. You know, you got M- Minchie, you got freaking Carr, obviously Deuce Knight. Uh, I mean, Singer, you reported on the stud out of Southern California coming, you know, in the winter time uh, from uh, you know the class of 226 so it's just like keep stacking talent and um no cars cars exciting it's like my god the guy committed three years ago so it's like you know you know it's like fine is it real is he legitimately like signing it's like doesn't even feel real because it seems like he's he's already been here class for so long already practiced uh, exactly he's already been at a handful of practices but uh no it's exciting um the hype is going to be insane with him it just is People just, once again, dying for a Notre Dame quarterback. I think that's why, going back to Hartman and all that, it's just dying. People are just starving for a quarterback at Notre Dame to be Brady Quinn, to be Jimmy Clausen. You know, maybe not the attitude of Clausen, but the performance of 2009, that type of quarterback. Um, Starving for it. And I think the fandom is going to be insane with him. So it's going to be interesting to see how this year happens. What is the true competition like? You You know, I'm talking for number two. Riley Leonard's obviously going to come in. I'm sure he's going to be the guy, all that good stuff. What is that going to be like? Because no matter what we talk about between now and the spring and the blue and gold game, man, I, I've said it a hundred times the last couple of weeks already. I think this, the battle for the number two quarterback is going to set the tone for obviously the following season, but it's going to be bad. I, I think that's the storyline going into the spring football is the battle for number two. And how legitimate is CJ Carr going to be in that? It was also your storyline for last year as well. I want to add that you, it was in Jelly versus Minchie, but uh, Wait, which, which eventually, and Jelly, you know, won out during spring and things of that nature, and here he is starting into a darn Sun Bowl. So two years in a row, Mike, who is the number two? You know, but but it's also important. Hartman, you know, Hartman, just like you know, even Jack Cohn played in every game, never got out. You know. Can Riley Leonard knock on wood, play the 12, 13 games, whatever it's going to be? So, yeah, that Notre Dame hasn't needed a number two in a while. And is it going to happen? And if it does, who is that number two? Ghouls, see your car thoughts? Leave the kid alone. That's my thought. Leave the kid alone. You know, we're, we're, He's throwing a, you know, Tim's joking about it. You know, he's throwing a warm-up pass in practice and we're filming him this oogle. Leave the kid alone. I've cooled on him a little bit. You know, I've got a buddy that coaches high school football. He, you know, we talked. He's seen him at a couple camps. He said he was small. He said he was small. So, you know, I've yet to see practice photos with, you know, yeah, obviously. So we get Riley Leonard's going to look huge, and Riley Leonard looks way bigger than two twenty. Tim, to me on film, 
And then, you know, Steve Angeli has looked like a giant lately with the, with the room that we've had. So I kind of want to see his size. Goolsby, can I, I interrupt you? I think if his last name wasn't Carr, I don't know if he's ranked this high. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. But I'm just sitting there going, give that kid some time. Like, lay off. Let's see so what happens. Here's him next to Kenny Minchie. This is this is from Monday. So there he is, 17. Uh, I think he's um, the scout, he's the scout team quarterback. wearing 17. Kenny's actually – something I noticed about Kenny, Kenny's leaned out quite a bit. Yeah. Which make me, you know, means something to me. But I, I, I like Kenny's arm. Out of the three kids that are there right now, I still like Kenny's arm the most, personally. I mean, CJ Carr athletically – with and with Minchie, I don't know who's going to win in a foot race, but I'm I have a I am kind of going to be hands off, wait and see. The kid's a true yeah. freshman, Riley Leonard's your starter. There is no competition. The competition is for who's number two. Hopefully, all four of them stay. Tim, but do you have anything like, to add? The kid just got here. He should still be in high school. Everybody, cool your jets. That's my that's my thoughts. No, I mean I I'm a big fan of his accuracy. I think he could throw. He's got you know. Big arm. I mean, he's not throwing the ball 70 yards down the field. You know, who is the Florida quarterback picked by the Richardson, right? Yeah, he's not throwing it 92 yards like Melton at Tennessee and all that, but it's accurate. I mean, he is very accurate 20 and in. So, uh, you know, how does that evolve going out? There's a nice throw right there. So uh, it, it's exciting because of the hype. Uh, and, and, and Mike Goolsby's correct. You know, is it the name, the grandson of Lloyd Carr? Was that part of it? He's 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 a lot he's a lot better than that I think so uh, where does he where does he fit that's a hell of a throw right that's one of my favorite yeah. throws junior year he slings it and it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun competition I mean obviously we're all dying to see what Steve Steve does here in the next eight and a half days in the Sun Bowl to see how that rolls for the I mean heck it's already here how crazy is that uh, how how that rolls for the spring of you know, and Jelly goes out there and has fun. I mean, there's still dudes. You know, obviously some of the guys left and all that. But if those two tackles could pass block, giving Jelly some time to hit those guys, this whole offense is returning next season. That's going to be in the Sun Bowl. That's going to be fun. But um, what is the the competition with Minchie Carr? Yeah, what is that? What does that look like? It's going to be. Isn't it crazy? It's going to be interesting. It just feels like that whole room is just sitting like. The car started. We're just sitting in park. We're just idling. It just feels like the rest of that Coda rec room is just idling. You know what I mean? It's a good, interesting thought. That just came to my mind. And so it's just like, yeah, I mean. No pun intended. What was your joke? What'd you say? I said no pun intended on the cars idling. Oh, oh excellent. When you say idling. Let me ask you this, Goolsby. When you say idling, idling for the competition, idling, waiting their turn, basically. Kind of, kind of, yeah, I think I meant more like waiting their turn. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just you're just going to kick the can down the road another year. And it's like, you know, I've be I've warmed more to Angeli. I mean, she it's like, it, you know, it's been some you're, you're still going back to high school film to like, wh what did he look like? So, yeah, there's I mean, there's four good quarterbacks. Three of them aren't going to play. So it's just like we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs. That's that's going back to the number two where, man, it just can no. I mean, does Notre Dame have the you know you know does it happen you know where the transfer quarterback comes in and plays every single you know starts every game so to speak so. 
Well, Minchie, Minchie to me, and this is just my thoughts, just I see weird things. Minchie thinning out is either, either him just growing up and maturing into his body or, Tim, he's starting to take things more seriously. Because if you sit there and go, okay, I'm in this battle, what are all the little things that I can do to give myself an edge? So cleaning up your diet, et cetera, et cetera. So like when I see Minchie leaning out, I'm like, okay, maybe that's him turning it up a notch. That's just how I interpret things. Now, yeah, I've always I mean, equated somebody's body conditioning to their level of care. I always will. Well, I mean, if we could just spend a minute on this, it's like going into the Sun Bowl. I'm, I was, uh, I was, I was very surprised by Marcus Freeman saying, "Yeah, we have, we're just going in with one." Basically, Steve Angeli, it's his show. I am, you know, which kind of, I, I love Minchie's film. If you watch Minchie and CJ Carr, CJ Carr has so much hype, obviously because of his name, his story. I get all that. But film-wise, I, I think Minchie's a better football player. I think he's a better quarterback. I really – I loved his film. He's yeah, got ooh, better than – Here we go, Tim. And, here and we then go. C.J. Carr. I mean, okay. I, I, I like Minchie. But where is I, – I, I'm stunned. Like, he's basically on the back burner. So what – Yeah, where is Minchie? What did he do this year? I'm Because that really surprised me when Freeman – you know, and Singer could, you know, probably knows more about this – you know, than us is where is, where is Minchie on the pecking order? Is it, I mean, when Freeman says, Oh yeah, yeah, we have no plan to use to it's Steve's job. I get it. He's the number two. He's been there a whole year longer. Totally understandable. Minchie had shoulder surgery. He really did probably didn't get back in the, you know, swing of things. So the season got going that type of stuff. I get it. But um, I'm a little surprised there wasn't a, Hey, let's have a weak competition and see who's the dude. So. That was, you know, that was surprising to me going into this bowl game. Last okay. thought, Tim. I, I, I agree with you here. I will, I'll bang that. What is the criteria of the competition drum until I'm blue in the face? We're having a competition. What are the criteria? Yes, Carr's film and Minchie's film. It's comparable. Like they're kind of like slippery athletes. They're kind of they can make some fun, unique throws. And I've really been trying to press that issue. Like every time I'm on camera. If you're rooting for an Angeli over a transfer, if you're part of that camp, if you're rooting for Angeli over a transfer, you you ought to say I'm rooting for Angeli slash Minchie yeah. over a transfer. Angeli and Minchie to me are like a combo deal. You know, because you haven't seen much from either of them. And I think, Tim, you and I both believe that Minchie might be more just gifted than Steve is. Physically, and maybe Steve has more moxie and more poise and more, you know, he's been around the team longer, all of that stuff. But um, I think as far as arm talent, I think, yeah, Minchie it has more than Angeli. Angeli's rocking a beard. Can we talk about that, boys? But no, real quick, really? I mean, senior, what are your no, thoughts? No, I want to talk about He's got a beard he now. He's, like, he's, he's trying to, like, assert himself a little bit. He that gave matters. a great interview. Yeah, he gave a great interview. I think it was yesterday or uh, Monday when the players interviewed. He was awesome. I loved listening to him. He confident. You could tell, hey, I've been here a couple of years now. Been behind, you know, these other quarterbacks and things of that nature. He's gotten two straight years of the number two reps, you know, since the Marshall game, since he got inserted into the number two. So, you know, what's your excitement like Singer going into next Friday? I love when Tim says something like, oh, Singer probably knows more than this on me, or I, I want to hear Singer's thoughts, and he just keeps running his damn mouth. Jeez, Tim, do you ever shut – I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Um, 
Okay, man, I haven't talked in a while. I feel like there's so many good stuff. My internet keeps crapping out, so I'm kind of nervous about that as well. Um, but I think that the the Minchie slash Angeli thing is very interesting. The what about Angeli thing is interesting. Going all the way back to Goolsby's point about stop putting so much pressure on this kid. How about that little Notre Dame does some kind of in-house podcast thing? Did you guys see that today? Uh, Freeman was on there with Chad Bowden and there's a few other people. You know who else was on there? CJ Carr. CJ Carr was on this big Notre Dame podcast sitting next to Marcus Freeman. So it's not just a fan thing, Goolsby. They're, I mean, in, I mean, they're already kind of putting him as the future. I mean, he was on this big podcast YouTube show that Notre Dame puts out. Maybe that's Mike Singer putting too much of a tinfoil hat on, but um, I mean, the kid does have a lot of pressure, you know, and he's got a lot and maybe not even pressure expectations. Expectations could not be higher for CJ Carr. So it's interesting to come on this show and hear a Hayden Goolsby kind of be like, Hey bro, Minchie, Minchie's the truth. And then who's coming in behind CJ Carr is the most electric recruit highest ceiling at quarterback that Notre Dame's had since, since, well, Tim said, I Tim said, because I, I asked for clarification, Tim said that Minchie was a better quarterback than Carr. Do you agree? Which I, which I, I appreciate. I would, I mean, seriously, I like Minchie. And I, I mean, I'm. He was a I mean, top you, 10 quarterback. I mean, we go back school. and watch their films, and it's like they both they both could do what each other could do. Yep. And I just something about There's some throws that Minchie did his senior year, just throwing a back foot, sidearm, slinging it. And I was like, dude. Wow, I want to see that. I want to see that guy on a Saturday in South Bend. He just looked like that to me. So I'm just, yeah, he's kind of a forgotten guy, yet he's really damn good. And that's why I don't understand. I, I was a little surprised that Hartman, because Hartman just, you know, opted out. Boom, I'm done. So it's kind of like a, you got a second spring game, Marcus Freeman, with these guys. I was a little surprised. At least there wasn't a weak competition. It doesn't sound like none of that ever took place. It's, and Jelly's our guy. Minchie, you hang out. Carr's showing up in 10 days. He's the scout team quarterback. So, you know, just a little interesting, you know, I guess reading between the lines going into the Sun Bowl on Kenny Minchie. Yeah, because if if you were going to lose one to the portal, mm. it's I like, like where this is going. Based off of what you and I kind of feel, Tim, that's like, you might be okay with losing Angeli just in terms of upside. I'm hurting over here. Hey, I'm not hurting. saying anything until 5:30 next Friday. So, but I mean, it's 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 a great, I mean, it's the most unbelievable opportunity for Steve Angeli, who's been in the program for two years, has just busted his butt. You know, I I know I I kid when I said he's you know he's earned number two by default, which I hate to say that, but in a way he has, but at least he's he's been number two. He has risen up. When he got into the games this year, you know, he didn't look like a frightened turtle. You know, he did the plays that was there. He he got better between the Tennessee State game and the and the last one that he got in, throwing some reps. He was a lot better. So that was nice to see. Um has hell half frozen over Tim Hyde and saying good things about Steve Angeli? Well, well, number one, I'm a Notre Dame fan. What's going on? What is going on? I want Notre Dame quarterbacks. First off, I want to win the damn Sun Bowl. I don't want to be. Oh, and three. I want Mike Goolsby to be excited that 
he was a part of beating or, you know, or, uh, Oregon State for crying out loud. So I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. Exactly. Um, no, I, I want Steve Angeli to be – I want him to go out there and kick ass and have fun next Friday. I'm more surprised that Minchie's just not involved, so to speak, unless Angeli goes out there, wets the bed, and, and just, you know, turnover machine, and they got to go with Minchie. Or the tackles don't block anybody, and and uh, he's running for his life, and he's looking like the 5-2-40 guy that, you know, he looks like he is. And there we go. There we go. We're back. Can I say – can I say – to your hey, great, great little jab. Well, that's a jab. Great little jab there at the end, Tim. If because I think it was was it somebody on Blue and Gold wrote an article, and it might have been Horka about Angeli, and like there was a sentence in there early on, one of the first two paragraphs, like we can't judge Steve based off of this game because no offensive coordinator, new tackles, new running back, wide receiver rooms, kind of a, a mess. That's that's just what was written, Tim. I, yeah, let just... me jump in there before you finish. Is like that's then throw that article away. I'm sorry, Tyler Orca. You can judge him because all these guys are returning. These are the guys he's been throwing to on the second unit. These are the offensive tackles he's had on the second unit. Correct. So I think you can judge him. I mean, he's been the second team, so he's been throwing to Raritan, you know, Flanagan. He's been throwing to Faison. Um, Whatever wide receivers are available in this game, I can't even think the top of my head. So I think no, I can hear you. judge him because if Angeli's, if Riley Leonard's not here and he's the starting quarterback, Steve Angeli's the starting quarterback on day one of spring football. This is his offense. These are all the guys he's going to be with. So I, I think you can judge him. I'm trying to find that article, but yeah, that's, that's not me. Also, not really. He's getting Leonard's going to have two more receivers. It's gonna have maybe a new offensive tackle. I mean, guys develop in an offseason, um, a full offseason of game plan, you know, like for getting game. reps together. I don't know. I don't for know. For Tim, one, but. No, come on. But, but for one game, it's not like Steve Angeli just showed up off the turnip truck. I mean, he's been on the team for two years. All These right. are all the guys he's practicing with. I looked up the article. Tyler asked the question in the article, what makes a successful Sun Bowl? Steve says, just winning, Angeli said, just win, that's it. Tyler goes, he shouldn't be judged whether Notre Dame does or doesn't. His offensive coordinator left, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's saying he shouldn't be judged. I get where Tyler's coming from 100%, and I, I part of me feels the same way. However, he is going to be judged. What am I looking for? To your point, Tim, that 5240. If Angeli doesn't make a play, hey, listen, if you got two new tackles, a true freshman at left tackle, pass protection's leaky, and you can't make plays on your feet when something breaks down, on to the next one. On to the next one. So that's your criteria, Mr. Gould. 100%. Make some magic happen. It's Playoff script, 100%. I don't care about, you know, it's going to be a little clunky for sure, but can you show me some magic, Steve? Because if you can't, Give me Kenny Minchie, give me CJ Carr, because that's the way this thing is trending with the athletes with Deuce Knight waiting in the wings. It's just well, that's what I need to see. That's been the Mike Goolsby formula on your Sunday night shows for the last couple of years is like, Hell it yeah, is so man. true. Imagine, I mean, look at the quarterbacks that are in the final four. Bunch of dudes that could run around and throw off their back foot 50 yards. You know, those four quarterbacks could all do it. So you're right. It's like, I mean, what hurt Notre Dame in 2021 with Jack Cohn? 
There's no zone read. So every time they hand it off, people just knife like crazy. There's no threat. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman never wanted to run the damn ball this year, and that hurt the team at, at times. Heck, the two, two of the biggest moments in the Buckeye game, fourth then he falls short because he doesn't finish the freaking run. So um, you're, you're so right. You've got to have a quarterback that could scramble, make plays. No, Ian Book did it. Ian Book, for as spazzy as people thought he was, man, when things broke down, he was he was going to be he was going to go make plays and keep games going. So um, you're right. If he's back there and he's looking like Jack Cohn and can't move out of the pocket, go with Minchie and try something different in that. In that and I'm with you, Tim. Like you're rooting for the kid. You want to win the game, but boy, oh boy, this does feel like a setup. It feels like a setup, but I, man, maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm the opposite. Maybe I'm more maybe I'm more excited for Angeli because I think he, I I think it's there for him to go out there and kick butt. Well, that's he's the coaching. Got, he's got the that's the yeah, he's got the interior. He's gonna have whoever the tackle. The tackles are greenest could be. I mean, I mean, even next year in 2024 with Riley Leonard, if people think Notre Dame O line is gonna be the same, you're you're nuts. They're losing. Two NFL offensive tackles. There's going to be a dip on the pass on the pass blocking next year. It just is, which means Leonard's got to go make some plays. But the wide receivers, well, I mean, who's he's gonna have Thomas's back? So you go Thomas, Faison, and Greathouse. Those are three damn good football players. And a tight end with Raritan and Flanagan, they could you can still play offense in this game. So that's that's and the running backs for crying out loud. It's like, does it matter if SMA's here? No. We're all more excited to see Love get 20 carries than we would be estimating this game, wouldn't we? I want to see what Love does on 20 carries. You know I'm he's going to jump off for 70. How much, I'm going to jump off here real quick. I've had three beers while we're doing this show, by the way. So, um, Body break. <laughs> who are we going to – who are we going to be talking about on the offensive side of the ball after this game? And I'm going to jump off. I'll jump back in a second. Is that fair? Sure. So who are we going to be talking about? I think number one, the offensive tackles. Um, offensive, you know, the offensive tackles because those those guys are going to be possible starters for next year. Number two, Steve Angeli, because Steve Angeli is number two if we have success with him, because that means the tackles are having success. That's just my my formula in this game, and then. One of those backs, Mike, whoever it is, is it Love? Is it um, Price? I almost said Young, thinking of the recruits. Yeah. One of those, you know, one of those two backs are electric. They got different speeds to them. They got some athleticism. One of those backs is going to have to perform and be like, that's our bell cow. That's our Kyron Williams. That's our next estimate. That's our next Josh Adams, you know, Dexter Williams from 2018. So that's what's going to, that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, those three positions. All right. Goolsby's back. And uh, we're going to closing thoughts from both of you before we get out of here because I've been working since 6 a.m., which I know, oh, singer, get over it. But I, it's been it's been a day. Um, so I, uh, I'm i exhausted. Um, so, uh, Goolsby, closing thoughts. I'm most excited to see Jagasaw. In this, because now now the now the focus shifts away from signing day into the bowl game. 
I'm excited to see Love, Jagasaw, Raritan. The Angeli thing doesn't really matter to me. And then I'm excited to see the rotation at linebacker. And that's what I'm going to be focused on. I'm watching the future of the program in this in this bowl game. That's what my final thoughts are. But linebacker, you got a fifth year guy and a guy going into a six year. What how much rotate? I'm I'm dying to see how much rotation they do. Because you got the, the two old guys in there. So are they going to rotate a bunch? That's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see how you know how they do that. Depends on how the game's going. Oh no, I mean, exactly. Hey, right now I'm 17, 16, flip a coin. I have no idea what they're expecting this game. And so I've yeah, have none. But um uh, a quick closing thought is just uh, going back to my original thing on the class. Freeman has has definitely made big big progress. However you want to look at it, he has, and um, I think we're going to see that in the summer of twenty four when he's got three full classes together running around. Of course, a couple of those guys have transferred. That's fine. That's why you have the portal. Go fill those in. You just keep stacking high school recruits, and some of these guys are going to rise up. Curious to see who the eight are. Maybe we'll do a show about that one day. Like, who are the eight that are going to get a letter as a freshman? That'll, that'll be a cool show. But um, kudos to Freeman and his whole recruiting staff. They did a hell of a job when you look at the class top to bottom. And since we're on here real quick, the Sun Bowl, big game, man. Big game. I know it's 10th win, right? What does it mean? All that good stuff. It's the freaking Sun Bowl. You know, finish this semi-satisfying blah of a season and uh let's go out and have some fun next friday all right we went through uh nearly a two-hour show and i didn't uh yell about sam hartman not playing in the bowl game so there you go how about that guys and we are going to end the show there tons of good discussion was not expecting the whole fantastic quarterback discussion there which it's great to have the three of us on talking about quarterbacks and we're not yelling at each other so that was a lot of fun uh, really good signing day talk and then uh, breaking down some Notre Dame news um, at the beginning of the show. So uh, really good stuff. Uh, hit the thumbs up before you get out of here, folks. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a five-star review if you would do so wherever you listen to this podcast. And please head over to blueandgold.com. If you're a new subscriber, sign up $1. Just one buck gets you access for two months. Let's do the near the end of February. So please access that offer if you are new um, a new subscriber at blueandgold.com. Uh, for Tim Hyde and Mike Goolsby, I'm Mike Singer. Hit that like button. And as always, folks, we will catch you next time.